It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long, and you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy with your hosts, Brianna and Caleb. Listen in as your hosts discuss the 2001 book, Journey to the River Sea. Here we are once again. Brianna's joining me here to discuss another book. Although I guess last time we kind of discussed a book and then kind of discussed a movie at the same time. It was time. about a movie last time. It, there just happened to be a book as part of the conversation, but it wasn't a book podcast. This is our first one. Yeah, I feel like we spent like half the time talking about the book, though. We so were comparing kind of... the book and the movie, but it was still a movie podcast. Yeah, and I guess we can discuss at the end of this if we think it would turn out a, a good movie or if they're ever going to turn it into an adaptation, but... But I wanted to start first because this was your your book suggestion for me, and it was suggested many years ago. Yeah, like five years ago when we met. It was literally the first gift I ever bought for you, and it took you five years to read it. And it had to be for it had to be for a podcast. You wouldn't just like read it for the sake of being like, oh, my girlfriend's favorite book that she bought me. Let me just read it. You had to be like, oh, well, if it's for a podcast, I'll read it five years later. To be fair, the only books that I read on my own time these days are Dune books, really. In the last five years, you've read other books. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Yeah, I, well, I guess I'll start then by saying um, I've mentioned this on a couple other podcasts as well. I've never really been much a fan of, like, kids' books. And and I, you would, you would say this kids' book, right, in a way? I think it's like, uh, well, it's definitely like a young reader's book, but I think more geared towards like preteens. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, kids, kids as the protagonist has never been something that's particularly pulled me towards books, except for like Goosebumps books, but that's about, probably about it. What about the Magic Treehouse? Yeah, I, I appreciated those too, but I didn't read as many of them as I read like Goosebumps or I guess the Chronicles of Narnia and Series of Unfortunate Events as well. I read those ones, but... Those are about it. Yeah, and those are kind of in the same the same vein as this kind of book. Yeah, and that was another thing I was going to ask, because, you know, you introduced me to this book, saying it's one of your, your favorites. Is this kind of story something that tends to draw you with books? The kind of, um, you know, kids having kind of an unfortunate upbringing and then winding up having to travel to go meet relatives? Well, it's the, it's the kind of story that drew me as a kid. I mean, it's a very particular kind of story that I think um, most kids are drawn to. Most kids like like myself, you know, like lonely kind of bookish kids imagining being a little bit more interesting, but like the protagonist is still kind of the same as them, but just like a more interesting version. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same as, um, I mean, uh, Eva Ibbotson even, did you read the notes at the back, like the little notes that she, that she, that they published? No, I, I meant to, and I just never got around to it. Well, she even mentioned in her notes, um, uh, I have it highlighted here. She said, but I do seem to need to give adventures to the shy, the sensitive, the vulnerable. A child who is instantly and recognizably brave and beautiful wouldn't dig into my soul in the same way. All this was confirmed, of course, by Mary Lennox in The Secret Garden and Sarah in The Little Princess. <laughs> That's funny. And yeah, like the, it's the same kind of protagonist, right? Like I, I always compared it, especially to the little princess, because the little princess is kind of like the reverse story, right? Like she grows up in like India, and then she comes to like the boarding school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I was thinking about other books that reminded me of this, even though I've never read those two books, I've only seen the movie adaptations. Those were the first two that immediately popped to mind as something that was uh, very much related to this kind of story. And then mm-hmm. I thought about a series of unfortunate events and. Yeah, I mean, Narnia, there's uh, very, very many. I mean, even like Roald Dahl books are that kind of story, you know, like a weird kind of outcast child who something amazing happens to. It's um, children who love reading are drawn to those kind of stories. They're not they're not necessarily the books that are written for for kids who don't like reading the who are like trying to get into things those are more the ones who read the things like you know um like the magic treehouse books and those kind of things (laughs) yeah but i i feel like these kind of books are written for the kids who love reading and it's always you know the the protagonist is is a little kid who also loves reading and is lonely and feels like an outcast but then you know they have some kind of amazing adventure and you're like oh that could happen to me yeah, that's that's fair. There's always that once they get there, the adventure itself is kind of, like, at first, disappointing. Like, of course, Maya here travels, and she meets her, uh, she has all these, like, wonderful fantasies of what her family that she's going to is going to be. And then they just turn out to be, you know, pretty unpleasant all around. I feel like that's definitely a mainstay in this kind of fiction as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because you're saying this is one of your favorites, what stood out to you so much about this one as compared to some of those other books? I think, um, well, for one, I think it was just more engaging. Um, it was it was written more recently, so that's one thing. Uh, I'm the type of person, the type of reader that's never really been able to engage with uh, books written with kind of like older prose. Um, I'm not sure when The Little Princess was written, but like The Secret Garden for sure is an older book, and they... Like, even though the story is exciting and kind of, like, magical in its own way, the way it's written, they tend to drag, and uh, I never found that with uh, any of Ava, Eva, I don't know which pronunciation of her name, Ibbotson's <laughs> books. Um, I've always, all of her books that I've read, which I've read a lot of them, are uh, just very engaging and fun to read you know you don't get bored they move quickly and as a kid I was able to uh, read books that were slower than I am now I had a better attention span as a kid but even then like I liked it because it was exciting and interesting the whole time there weren't parts where I was just getting bored Mm. 
Yeah, it definitely has a pretty fast pace to it. Yeah, it does. And it's written really... I was going to say written really simply, but simply in a nice way, not like, you know, like... Something like a Goosebumps book, where it's written simply and a little clumsily. Mm. This one I think think was well written, but definitely um, moves pretty quick and definitely feels like a kid's book in the way that it's written. Yeah, I mean, it's for children. I, I was actually surprised, though, like how quickly the plot moved. I was like, oh my gosh, we're already at this part? Like... Because obviously I've read it like a million times, but this was my first time in a while reading it. And I was like, oh, wow, like it's moving so fast. Yeah, I was surprised when we got to what I felt like was the climax. And then it just, I was like, oh, it's continuing going on. I thought this was what it was building up to, mm-hmm. which was Finn, the whole uh, plot with Finn and Clovis and the crows. Yeah. I was like, oh, well, there's. Yeah, th- that's what surprised me too, because I think I remembered it as the climax. And then I was like, wait, we're already, we're only in, like, the middle of the book. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and I guess like, we should explain a little bit of, for people who are listening to this who don't know anything about it, mm-hmm. i.e. Isaac. <laughs> um, the only yes, person who's going to listen to this? <laughs> well, Isaac always, even when I say things like, oh, Isaac, don't listen to this, it's going to spoil it. I'm, I'm sure he listens anyway, because he can't help himself. <laughs> but yeah, so this is, it, I was actually going to say before I say that, it's funny because we've mentioning, um, that uh, the little princess in the secret garden. Well, a little while ago, I, I wrote this on my notes. I looked up who wrote those two books. Mm-hmm. It turned out it was the same person, uh, Frances Hodgson Burnett. Mm-hmm. And she also wrote Little Lord Fauntleroy, which is kind of oh, funny. Oh, that is funny. Well, um, obviously, as you can see by the notes uh, in the back of the book, she was clearly an influence for the author. Mm. Yeah, so it's a story of a little girl, orphan named Maya. Uh, she's relatively wealthy. They don't really say how wealthy, I, I don't think, but and she doesn't have any close relatives except for these these Carters. And how are they related again? Is I don't think the, they say. The they just, it's a distant relative. Distant relative. Yeah, and, and she lives in England, but the Carters live on the Amazon. Or the Amazon, I should say. The Amazon. I do that sometimes. And I was listening to part of the audiobook too, so that doesn't help. <laughs> Did they say Amazon in the audiobook? Yeah, it was a British narrator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she said Amazon. And I already do that accidentally, so I can't, I can't help it. But. <laughs> but yeah, so she travels there. She's all, like I mentioned earlier, she's all excited about like her fantasies of what this family is going to be. There's these two twin sisters, and she's super, like, creates a charming vision in her head of them. But of course, once she gets there, this, the twins are like these vicious little monsters, just super unpleasant. And the mom's kind of a weirdo. I don't I don't know if she's necessarily unpleasant. She's just kind of strange. She's definitely unpleasant. Yeah, I don't remember her being too outwardly rude until she started to, like, lose it later in the book. But I mean, she got, like, happy that Maya was, like, not doing well in school and stuff like that. And she let the twins, like, not let her go to the play. That's true. That's true. Yeah, and then the dad is also eccentric, but not super there he he just likes to hide out in his little office and look at his collection of um <laughs> collection of glass eyes he likes to go into the gory details of people dying and how he got the or i guess not how he got the eyes but how the eyes left the people that they were on mm-hmm. so definitely not a very warm figure as well and kind of the only warm figure that she does have is miss minty uh who, what do you think about that character um i like her a lot yeah, and um, 
I also read that the author based her partially off a governess that she had herself when she was a kid. Okay. Yeah, she said that she had a Scottish governess who looked like her and wore the same sort of clothes but wasn't as nice. Mm. Um, but I liked her. Um, I thought that it's a little bit strange, her character. Some parts of her didn't add up, but that's just how it is with children's books. You know, things are always, like, lacking a little bit of nuance in characters. Yeah, I started to lose a little bit of track of her near the, like, maybe the last third of the book. I started to feel like, oh, I'm Mm -hmm. kind of missing what she's doing here. But but maybe she was just kind of fading into the background with the other characters. At the beginning, she just started out, like, very, very, like, proper and, and, like, kind, but, like, very, like, firm. But then, like, mm-hmm. by the end, she was like, oh, yes, let's, like, run off into the Amazon and, mm-hmm. like, live with the natives. And it, it just seemed like um, a weird 180. And then, like, they kind of, like, throughout the book gave, you know, the little hints to make it like, oh, she knew Finn's dad. But then it wasn't, it was like they didn't even really have a relationship. She was just, like, a maid who was like, you should go to the Amazon. Yeah, and he was, she was like, oh, he was the only one who was nice to me. And so... <laughs> But, like, it's not like they were even friends. Yeah, it was a little... Yeah, I was a little confused there for a bit. But, yeah, no, I liked her, too, and I liked that she would, like... She had that little plot where she said that Maya was falling behind just so that she can study on her own because the twins were not very, uh... Mm-hmm. Not very bright. <laughs> well, maybe that's not fair, I mean... And I, I, I like that, um... She really felt like she really took responsibility for Maya, and was the only one acting in her best interests mm-hmm. yeah and I, I appreciate that too I just wish that I got a little more from her like mm-hmm. I did like her but by the end yeah I was a little especially in the last like chapter there where the uh, Mr. Murray the one who's controlling Maya's finances is like well I mean I gotta fire you you know you took this girl into the let her just live in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the Amazon so yeah but then she was like oh well you know I started thinking of her as my daughter and like if she was my daughter I would let her like have adventures and do whatever she wants and blah 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 and then like he was like oh you know what that's a good idea you can you can have her yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like oh what <laughs> Yeah, it struck me as a little little fanciful. A little bit easy of an ending. It could have gone on a little longer. And the whole Finn and Clovis thing, which, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll continue my mm-hmm. my summary here. So, yeah, we um, we spent some time. We Maya met this guy on the boat as they were traveling up the Amazon, Clovis, who's an actor. And things don't go too well for him because he's a, a child actor on the cusp of losing his childlike voice. So that end, ends up screwing him over, and he doesn't really have anywhere to go. So, so Maya hides him out on their property, and then we meet this other kid who's been kind of seated through the novel. This uh, son of, I guess, what was the dad? Um, was it a naturalist? Was that what the yes. dad was? Yeah. Yeah, and so he he died, and his son's just been hiding out, and he the dad turned out to be part of a very wealthy family, and they're looking for the kid because he's going to be the heir to their big fortune. So, but it's important to note that at the beginning, nobody knew why they were looking for him. They thought that like they wanted to take him to a prison or something. The son, the son didn't like Finn didn't think that, but everybody else did. Yeah, I guess Finn thought it was a prison in a different way. But there was there was one thing there is um I noticed Maya you know she referred to them as crows, 
And but then eventually everyone just started calling them crows. I thought that was a little odd too, but but I guess that's just another little bit of simplifying for kids. Well, I think it's just one of those things. Like, uh, she started calling it that. People started calling it that. Everyone was like, I like that name. Yeah, I guess that's fair. And I did like there was a lot of very easy descriptions in the book. Like, I feel like a lot of adult books that I read don't spend as much time kind of like stopping the scene to really lay out exactly what the character looks like. And that's something I appreciate, so I, I was I was happy to see that. I actually have another quote about that from uh, the author's notes. Hmm. She said, I had been writing for quite a long time before I realized how important detail is, what people eat, what movements they make, how their houses look. It's not too difficult to think of the broad outlines of a story, but putting in the personal touches can be hard. Hmm. When you write stories yourself, this is one of the things to bear in mind. Yeah, I, when I was reading it, I felt like, oh, this feels a little bit more older school. I feel like a lot of books these days just kind of move past that stuff. They'll give a quick kind of sketch mm-hmm. and then just move on through the scene because when you really stop to, you know, break down all the details of how what the person's wearing, how they're sitting, you know, their, their expressions, it can kind of slow down the pace a little bit. Yeah, but you can really picture, you can really picture the, the, the person and the scene that way. Yeah. And I did notice that a lot in the book, which is why I took note of it when I saw her mention it in the the notes at the end of the book, because I was like, oh, like, I did notice that there was a lot of description in the book. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of this book kind of rests in its, like, kind of color. Mm-hmm. You know, we're traveling to a new place. It's kind of like a little, not, not super adventure which is what I initially thought it was going to be, mm-hmm. but... Definitely an adventure just in terms of taking in the details of where we're going, this new place. I thought it was going to be much more of like a fantastical plot, just from the cover of the book with all the butterflies. And... To, to me, and I mean to, uh, especially to me as a kid, it, it was definitely an adventure. I mean, imagine being being a child and all of a sudden someone being like, you're going to live in, in the amazon rainforest and you go there and you're having all these adventures and like going on rafts through the rivers and and seeing all these animals and flowers and things you've never seen before and meeting all these people from all different countries and everyone living together and learning new languages i mean that sounds like a huge adventure yeah and i was definitely looking up different animals and plants that they mentioned throughout the book because i love stuff like that so Mm -hmm. that was fun I definitely enjoyed seeing lots of little strange animals. Where, where was I now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, so there's the, the, the kid, uh, Bernard Tavener's kid, Finn. And, yeah, the, the people who are searching him out don't even know that he exists necessarily. They're just kind of going off of kind of a vague piece of evidence, some sort of letter that he sent to uh, another naturalist. Mm-hmm. But eventually Maya ends up meeting him. Which, by the way, I like that strange meeting that they first had on the boat where he was, like, pretending just to be a native kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he was he was trying to help her, but he didn't know if he could trust her or not. Yeah, because uh, she promised her friend, the actor Clovis, that she would come to a show of his in a little city nearby the Carter's place, but, like Brianna mentioned, the Carters were like, nope, you're not coming. They're just big dicks. So she decided that she was going to make her way there herself, which I like that that turned out well, even though it, you know, kind of got screwed up in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I like that scene. Yeah, I did too. But yeah, then then Finn, once we finally meet him and flesh him out more, was a character that I struggled to warm to a little bit. He always seemed just a little mean, especially to Clovis. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess he had a lot in his plate, but 
I always liked Clovis a bit more. He always seemed a little bit too serious and, I don't know, I maybe mean, a little he, bit more adultish. He had to be serious. His dad died. He was on his own. I think he was also a little bit older than Maya and Clovis. Yeah, that's, yeah, I can see that. Oh, by the way, just because, uh, just because I was re-listening to the last chapter today, because I read it, um, yesterday, but I had such a bad headache that it, it was, like, kind of a sour reading. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just kind of like getting through it, so I was like, I'll listen to it again a little bit just to try to, you know, get a better uh, grasp of what was happening. And <laughs> there's that, that weird line when uh, Clovis and Finn meet at the Taverner's place, and Clo and Finn's like, oh, you know, you're doing so much for me. Is there anything I can do for you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Clovis was like, can I have Maya when, we're, when she's grown up? <laughs> yeah, I was like, ooh, that's a weird yeah, line. Yeah, that's uh... <laughs> Would not fly today. Yeah. <laughs> e even in a children's book. <laughs> yeah, but I guess I should explain that too. Yeah, so in the end, they they uh, decide, okay, well, you know, Clovis, he wants to go back to England. This whole acting thing hasn't worked out. Finn wants to stay in the Amazon. So, Clovis, you can go in his place. Since they don't know anything about this guy. They don't know what he looks like. So there's a, there's a whole elaborate plot there, which feels like the climax, like we mentioned, but ends up be just being a little bit of... I guess the middle act, would you say? It is the climax in a way. It's just an early climax. And it almost feels like the end is like a long prologue or epilogue. Yeah, it does feel that way. But I feel like in the, the terms of the size of the book, I feel like it's maybe at the beginning of the third act yeah. around there. So that is, that is a little unusual to structure a book that way. But, but yeah, so then, yeah, Clovis... It, it goes mostly okay for him over there, which is nice. But and it's kind of funny to think that he's going to be this like rich, wealthy lord. Yeah, and the grand the grandpa is like one hundred percent convinced. Like you look exactly like this guy. He even <laughs> like has that scene where he he like stands by himself looking at the portraits. Like wow, he looks just like him. Like it's crazy how it just skips a generation like that. <laughs> and I almost was like, are they going to put in a somehow? It turns out that uh, Clovis is related to them because he was an orphan hmm. right yeah that that yeah i didn't think about that but they never did but i mean maybe i was thinking maybe the author actually considered it at a, at a point yeah that definitely would have been too fantastical for this it would have it would have <laughs> but it would have been fun too i did find that quite funny especially because he like keeps doing it mm -hmm. and clovis tries to uh reveal the truth a couple times and the time that he finally does it, he's got him standing by portraits again, like, oh, look, you look just like this one. Oh, let's move over to this one. Take a look at this. He's like, no, I can't do it anymore. And he has, like, almost a heart attack once he <laughs> hears it and refuses to believe it. So, so I appreciate all those little bits. I thought that was fun. And I thought it was uh, very cute that uh, Clovis's play had basically just, like, prepared him for this exact thing. <laughs> yeah, that was fun, too. Yeah, have you ever read Little Lord Fauntleroy? I don't know anything about that no. story. I've heard the name, but I didn't know anything about it. No. Um, I thought I learned, like, a fact about it, possibly when I was looking at reviews on Goodreads of this book. I'm not sure. We'll come back to it if I can remember. Sure. Yeah, but I quite liked Clovis. Um, he and Maya were probably my two favorite characters. I like that old professor, too. I didn't like Clovis. Oh, you didn't like Clovis? Well, that's mean. I shouldn't say I didn't like him. I just <laughs> I wouldn't say that he's anywhere near my favorite character. 
Yeah, I just mean out of the bunch. I Maya's my favorite, but I like I like Clovis second. I just think he's so silly. Clovis felt like me if I was in the Amazon. <laughs> really? But wouldn't you want to be Maya? I, I would want to be, but I don't think I would be. I think I would. Start I feel to like get... that's the point. Like, like none of us would be Maya, but we all want to be Maya. That's why she's the protagonist. Like, we all want to think. We all want to imagine that we are like that, like open-minded and energetic, and we could just like roll with it and be like, "Oh, I love it here." <laughs> you know. Yeah, and I did like at the beginning how she had all these fantastical visions of what it's going to be, and was kind of shot down at first. Mm -hmm. that a little touch of realism to it and i like that it kept coming back over and over again to that one that beginning scene where she was like sitting on top of the ladder reading the books of the amazon like they just kept mentioning it mm. i i i noticed that they they mentioned it like maybe like five or six times throughout the book yeah and it's nice that even though she had so many negative experiences it didn't you know shade the overall experience mm. for her Oh, there, there was another bit I, I wanted to mention here. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so, how I mentioned, uh, there's that big plot to trick the crows into thinking that Clovis is actually Finn. And a big integral part of it is using the twins in their very suspicious and unpleasant nature to... Because uh, there's a reward out for, for anyone who has information on finding Finn. So they do this whole little plot where Maya pretends to um, accidentally give away Finn's location, which is hiding in this museum. And I love that once the twins get their money, they become so obsessed with them that they, like, sleep with them. They wear them <laughs> around their neck. They constantly count them. They don't even want to spend it. They just mm -hmm. love looking at it. <laughs> For whatever reason, that just amused me quite quite, quite a bit. Mm -hmm. I can see it. I mean, I can see it actually happening. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, villains in these kind of books are always very um, one-dimensional. You know, mm -hmm. and uh, always I would say, like especially in um, you know these books, um, series of unfortunate events, like you said, world doll books, all those kinds of children's stories. Um, the villains uh, always, mm, it's always about like greed. Yeah, that's fair. Like it, it's. It really seems like a very uh, popular theme in those type of children's books. The, the the villain of the story is basically like lazy, rich, greedy people. Or not necessarily rich, but... Yeah, because I was thinking of Willy Wonka. I never really thought of it as being part of those kind of stories, but in a way it is. Mm -hmm. And all those little kids, yeah, I mean, they're, they're all, all of their undoing is just greed in a way. Just their own little particular greeds. It's interesting that it's portrayed that way because it really i guess would make children just like very very against greed as they grow up right which isn't a bad thing yeah you'd hope that it would but i don't know <laughs> i mean i feel like a lot of people don't take the lessons from the books they read that they probably should but <laughs> i think that they do more subconsciously though yeah it could be but yeah i did think that was really funny and it was i was actually expecting for them to be there to be some sort of turn with the twins so I started reading this a couple months ago, and then I fell off. But I was like, oh, they were introducing these twins so unpleasantly. I feel like at some point they're going to be, like, friends with Maya, and things are going to turn around. So I was quite surprised that, no, there was no turn. In fact, they were just kept getting more and more unpleasant until they had a rather kind of unfortunate end for them, <laughs> winding up as servants. 
I know. I thought the ending was a little bit sad. They were basically turned into like yeah. slaves. <laughs> Which I guess fair enough. But I was like, oh, that's a little dark for them. I guess there's no path to redemption. I mean, the kids don't deserve it, but I guess you know when they're adults. But but like I but like I said, in these kind of stories, the villains are so one-dimensional. You can't imagine these these two little girls becoming adults. They're too stupid. They're too yeah. they're too ridiculous. They they could never be real adults the way that they're written. Yeah. They never they never would be, you know? Yeah, and I liked that one of the first things that Miss Minty notices when she decides that Maya can't be taught at the same time as them is how difficult they find reading to be. Mm-hmm. And of course their end punishment is they wind up with an old aunt, a rich aunt, <laughs> who makes them read the paper to him every morning. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's what they find out about Maya's uh my going off and they still think that they wound up better than her and you know that that is another thing because like like i keep saying i i really feel like these stories are geared towards kids who already love reading which is why the protagonists always love reading Mm. uh and that's i think in some ways why quite often the villains are portrayed as like stupid they can't read blah 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 because um the kids reading the book are probably made fun of for reading. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Paint the kid antagonists as kind of like they're, they're bullies that they would have around. Mm-hmm. Even though as an adult, it's like, oh, well, you know, it's not those girls' fault they can't read. <laughs> like, yeah. They're not really stupid. They're just not being given the tools. Yeah, definitely not with, um, yeah, because the mom, the mom is like obsessed with England and pretending that they still live in England. Mm-hmm. where they're taught strictly from like some sort of book from probably some sort of hack professor it seemed like yeah it seemed like they're painting him as like some sort of homeschooling not a real teacher kind of guy and they could only be taught from that book strictly that so and yeah I, I, I did feel bad for them to some extent with their miserable lives in the amazon with that crazy mom and no one no one liked them but they didn't even care that no one liked them which was the funny part yeah, it seemed like they weren't even aware that no one yeah. liked them. They were they just, just living in their own world. Yeah. They would only dance with each other. They wouldn't even go to the bathroom apart. I was <laughs> like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, and then it did start to get a little cartoonish, I thought, once they pointed out the kind of the history with the dad coming to the Amazon. Mm. And, like, he never paid any of his... The people who helped him, like, set up his whole place. And all he, even when they were, like, extremely broke and in debt to everyone he was still buying these highly expensive eyes i was like oh man this yeah. does he care about his family at all <laughs> and then of course the fire <laughs> where he says that he's going back for maya and he literally doesn't even try and, and it's funny because earlier in the book he'd been like oh if this place burnt down the eyes is the thing i'd go for and Maya's like after your wife and kids right and he's like oh um yeah of course <laughs> yeah i was like damn like i knew he was like not a very nice dude like but he didn't seem like he was like a villain like this but i guess so yeah because he literally <laughs> left maya to die yep, and the, yep. the, the terrible thing is that he like didn't tell anyone that he did like he was he said that he was going back for her and then he just didn't <laughs> he even said it when he was like in the hospital oh i did everything i could to try to find her but it like, was an inferno yeah like why wouldn't he <laughs> tell people Maybe it was shame? Yeah, it probably was. Um, 
Yeah, and then re- and then Maya being like, yeah, I saw them leaving on the boat, but I just couldn't be with them. Like, she just stayed there. <laughs> I guess she, maybe she decided to give up and die, or thought, I no, don't know. She, I don't think she thought she was very injured. But still, like, the natives were all gone. Yeah, that, that's what I mean by die. I mean, she couldn't survive out there on her own. I mean, her first kind of trip on her own was a big disaster, so. Mm-hmm. I thought, ah, I guess it turned out okay. Finn showed up, so. <laughs> but she had no idea he would. Yeah. Yeah, I will say, I really enjoyed the first two up until that, like I said, what kind of felt like the climax. I was really into the book. I did feel like that last little extended epilogue started to feel like it was kind of losing me a smidge. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, I can see that. But like I said, I had a huge headache that day, so it was just a bad day to read it. I just didn't have much joy. No, I, I do think that the beginning of the book was better than the end, for sure. Mm. Um, but I like I like when they, you know, went off and they found Finn's, um, mm. like, his mom's family, and they got to know them and, like, see them, even though that felt very unrealistic. Mm. <laughs> that part especially, but um, it was nice. Yeah, it's like a nice little fantasy. It was, uh, I thought it was sad how, like, when the police came back to to get them, like, they all just, like, left and didn't even put up an argument. They are just like, okay, like, we knew we couldn't stay here forever. Yeah. Yeah, it did feel like they were coming down from, like, a high of their little fantasy life, and they're like, well, we give up now. <laughs> There's, yeah, even yeah. Finn, that was kind of the sad <laughs> part. It's like, he, he was like, oh, I have to go, I have to live with them, and then he was like, okay, let's go. <laughs> and they didn't even get to say goodbye, which is sad. Yeah, that was kind of sad. But yeah. uh, we have no idea what happened afterwards, because they went back to the Amazon. Yeah, yeah, apparently. That also felt super quick. It was, yeah, it was just like, very oh, abrupt it ended. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, okay. I feel like there should have been epilogue there, but I guess, yeah, that whole last bit was the epilogue. I think, she, I think she probably wanted to leave it open-ended so we could just imagine whatever our favorite part of their life there was, we could imagine them doing that. Yeah, I almost wondered if they were setting it up for a sequel, but I was like, I don't really know what they would do with a sequel, so maybe... No, I don't not. think so. Hmm. I think I think she just wanted to leave uh, how they ended up to our imagination. Oh, that's fair. One thing that I thought was... Uh, a little strange though was that there was no uh scene between Maya and Clovis in England oh yeah that would have been nice yeah I didn't think about that but yeah that probably should have been there yeah and I I even because it it almost feels like she has like a burgeoning relationship with Finn going on like a little mini romance mm-hmm. but I thought there was but not necessarily yeah they don't they never really ex- expressly put it in there it just felt like it was kind of in the subtext she even said something about how like she felt for him as a friend how older girls feel for for guys like romantically yeah so like she basically said that her feelings were platonic but i always felt like the, the there was more chemistry with her and clovis and she was always standing up to clovis or standing up for clovis to finn because finn was really kind of dickish towards him she just felt protective of him yeah, so I thought, oh, it's too bad, you know, she didn't have another kind of moment with him or, you know, have any real interest in him at all. Cause she never really mentions him again once <laughs> well, when she goes back. But I guess there was, wasn't was much time, so. I think Clovis was right in the end that him and uh, Maya would have never been a good pair because they just don't have the same interests in life. Yeah, that's fair. Definitely not. 
Yeah, it was funny him anytime she'd be like, oh, like we're in the Amazon. It's so wonderful. And all he could do is think about going back to England, think about all the food that he would eat when he got there. Mm -hmm. I thought that stuff was, it felt realistic to me. I thought of a you know, poor kid. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, travel around. He, he'd been like dragged around the around the globe with these horrible actors, putting him in all these gross, dangerous situations. Yeah, they were pretty scummy. They they sounded like like a carnival group, but they were actors. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure lots of kids. You know, th oh, that was another thing I was going to say. Well, when do you think this took place? I don't remember them saying a date. I think it was supposed to be you know the early 1900s. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah, because I was wondering that a couple times with uh, some of the stuff that was going on. But oh yeah, I got another note here. This is a really random one. What's beef tea? Because they mentioned it. They mentioned it at some point in in the book, and I was like, beef tea. What's that? That's probably just beef broth. But... I meant to look it up, but I didn't. <laughs> but <laughs> I would assume it's just like a cup of beef broth. Oh, okay. Um. Sounds like, ooh, beef tea. Beef tea is a simple decoction made by steeping beef in water, <laughs> seasoned with salt. So basically beef broth. Oh, okay. Okay. There you go. Apparently, um, it was often used as a remedy in Britain for all kinds of health conditions. Oh, like the frog on the, uh, the pregnant belly to make sure that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but there's, there's another thing I thought was a little unusual about the prose in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, most books that I read, except for say Dune, I, w I would say, whenever they have multiple perspectives in, perspectives in a book, they switch. You know, during different chapters or different paragraphs. This one I noticed switched like all over the place. Yeah, I suppose that's true. It's not something I super noticed though. Yeah, like um, there was there was a moment when Clo when uh. Maya was talking about like, oh no, Clo of course Clovis remembered me because the twins were like, ah, he probably forgot about you. Actors are fickle. Hmm. She was like, no, of course he remembered. And then like the next um, sentence, we switch immediately over to Clovis. And it's like Clovis didn't forget. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. Now we're in his perspective. I'm off in this completely different story. So that kind of threw me a little bit, but it was just something I'm not super used to, except for in Dune. But <laughs> I feel like usually they're a little bit more. Uh, there's just a little bit more of a definite line when they're jumping to a new perspective but yeah that's fair yeah i i personally didn't notice it at all it just felt natural to me i guess yeah and maybe it's more common in kids books i like i've mentioned many be. times in the podcast i don't read them very often oh, yes you've mentioned it many times <laughs> in this very podcast we we get it caleb <laughs> yeah in fact i've read more kids books for this podcast than i have in like over a decade so and it, it's nice i've enjoyed all of them i really enjoyed the iron man i really enjoyed um escape Morch mountain you know, I have a whole, I have a whole kids book bookcase right right outside the door of the room you're currently in. Yeah, and I mentioned when we did uh, Felidae, um, I never had any interest in books based on animals. Mm -hmm. I would just be like, oh, the lead character is an animal. I'm not going to read that. That seems like a kids book. <laughs> <laughs> I was just an asshole kid, <laughs> but it made me think. Oh, you know, maybe maybe I should go back and check out some more of this stuff. Because I'm sure I'm missing out on a lot of great books. You should read some of the books in my children's bookcase. Yeah, I'd be curious to check out some of their old doll stuff. Well, I've got it. Yeah. Oh, that was another thing I was going to ask. I noticed that you have a couple other Eva Ibs. How do you say it again? Ibbotson. Ibbotson. I wasn't sure either. I know it's a common last name in uh, 
in Britain, but it's I I actually uh you watched a you a couple YouTube videos of her book reviews so that I could memorize how to pronounce her name. <laughs> yeah, they said it at the end of the audiobook when I listened to that earlier today, but yeah, so you've read some other other stuff. Um is there any other that you'd recommend? Any other that you'd like to cover or is Oh this yeah. Like... I mean I would recommend uh, most of her books. Let me let me bring it up. Sure. Yeah, like um she has like actual like more books for younger readers. She had like um The Secret of Platform Thirteen was a great book. Uh really popular. And a good oh. you rem- you recognize the name? <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned it. I just saw an article about it, like maybe last week. Mm-hmm. It was talking about how they were like, oh, J.K. Rowling, you know, now she's transphobic and she's a hack. She ripped off everything from this book, Platform 13. But I didn't realize it was from the same author here, so. <laughs> the Secret of Platform 13? I don't think it has a similar plot. <laughs> she just. <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember reading the, the comparisons because they like did a little breakdown in the article. And I was like, that seems like pretty thin stuff to say mm-hmm. she ripped off all of Harry Potter from this one thing. It may be an initial idea, but <laughs> but everyone just hates J.K. Rowling, and it's somewhat fair enough. But but yeah, then there's also um, Dial of Ghost and Witch Witch, which are, and Island of the Ants is a great one. Hmm, Island of the Ants, I'm interested in that. I love ants, so. <laughs> it's not that kind of ant. It's, oh. It's like Island of the Ants, like A-U-N-T-S. Oh, that, yeah, I'm not, I'm less interested in that, yeah. It's actually really good. Uh, I, I don't remember the plots of these books, but I remember them being very good. And then she also has a few books that are more, like, adventure books, like Journey to the River Sea. Like, the ones that I just named are more, like, fantasy stories, like, with magic in it, right? Yeah, whenever I, cause every, every time I pass that bookshelf, I see Dial of Ghosts. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that seems like a title of a Goosebumps book. Yeah, so the so those ones are more like, I don't know if you'd say fantasy, but they have like, uh, like magical, like not real stuff in them. Mm. Um, but then she also has like the Dragonfly Pool and the Star of Kazan, which I actually haven't read, but I believe they're still in the same vein as like the Journey to the River Sea, and they have similar covers, so I think they're like kind of coupled together. Oh, okay. And then A Company of Swans is geared more towards older. Like, it's more like a young adult. I read that maybe like seven or eight years ago. And I think that one also takes place in the Amazon, actually. But it has like romance. Like, it's, it has an older protagonist, like a teenager, probably. And she has oh, okay. a few of those that have like, uh, that are more young adult. And I think she's written adult books as well, but I haven't read any of them. But I've always really liked her writing for everything I've read, so I think anything would be good. Okay, yeah, I'd never really heard of her until you presented me with that book, and then I saw the ones in your bookshelf there, so... Yeah, hmm, that's interesting. And I always like British authors, I always feel like they have a very particular, you know, voice that you can hear when you're reading their their dialogue, Mm -hmm. or just their prose, so I always appreciate reading British stuff. Um, it's actually pretty cool also at the back of uh, of the the digital copy of the book uh, after the notes is some different kinds of notes on like her original notes on what the story would be before she actually started writing it 
Oh. So it's kind of cool. It's too bad you didn't read them. Because, um, yeah, she talks about it's basically like a little brainstorming page of the journey to the River Sea. That's weird because, oh, is it Eva Ebbotson on Journey to the River Sea or Eva Ebbotson? Yeah. Yeah, I meant to read that stuff today. We've just been kind of doing a lot today, so I just did not have the mm-hmm. chance. But. Yeah, and um, in it, she said that she was originally thinking that um, Maya would maybe be like the niece of the governess or possibly like um, found on the journey abandoned by the theater company. So kind of like a mix of between Maya and Clovis. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's always it's always interesting to hear like the rough drafts or the original ideas. Mm-hmm. And it would have been interesting if she was uh, Miss Minton's niece too, instead of actually being related to the to the uh, Curtises or whatever their name is, but just like coming with them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that would have fit. Yeah. Well, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. There there was one more thing that I had written in my notes. Do you remember the little bit? when they're talking about the taverner's home i can't remember what that one was called do you remember westwood was it yeah that sounds right yeah there's like a little bit when when uh, finn is explaining to maya what it was about like what what was wrong with the place and why he doesn't want to go back mm-hmm. and we cut to like this little childhood segment of bernard taverner mm-hmm. i was like oh this is another little interesting kind of like separation from the plot jumping into a completely different character that we haven't seen I appreciate that little scene. It just felt a little surprising to me that we jumped so far out of the other ones. Yeah, I mean, something like that would easily happen in a movie and nobody would think twice. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, maybe maybe I'm just so used to reading books that have a very focused lens, Mm. so I'm not as used to jumping around all over the place, except for, again, Dune. But (laughs) I feel like most books that I read are a little bit more focused on one particular perspective, so... But I, I appreciate the change. Yeah, I, I like it. Yeah, it's nice. It does feel a little bit more film-like. Yeah, I can see that. And speaking of that, since you said at the beginning, we could uh, talk about whether we think this would work as a movie. Hmm. I think, it, I mean, I think it definitely would. I don't see why not. Uh, if something like The Little Princess and uh, The Secret Garden, which we've obviously drawn comparisons to, can be made into movies and this is in some ways a lot more fantastical than those yeah that's true that's true yeah although i'd argue those weren't made into movies super successfully i mean i enjoy the The little Little princess Princess is a fantastic movie yeah i enjoy that film the secret garden i've always found the secret garden boring the book and the movie i watched it plenty of times as a kid but i never liked it but there's so many versions (laughs) Yeah, I don't know which version was the one I watched as a little kid. I think it was 90s, maybe? Mm. Let me quickly look it up. Yeah, I think maybe my sister liked it, and that's why I watched it. I think Cleo was a fan, but I've seen it many times, and I always found it kind of dull, and I'd be like, why am I watching this? Like, there's nothing really to it. But the journey to the River Sea would be much more interesting, because they're in the Amazon. There's a lot going on. Yeah, that's very true. It's not... I mean, the thing about The Secret Garden, it's it's a beautiful, lovely story, but it, it... takes place in one spot it doesn't leave that spot at all mm-hmm. yeah and you know maybe i'd enjoy it more as an adult mm-hmm. maybe i just found it a little dull as a kid and i would see more depth to it now but, mm-hmm. but you yeah, know i think it would translate well to film you might have to 
you know, maybe not have the third act be so long and kind of uh, build the climax up more. But, yeah. But, you know, I think it would translate well, and it's... Do you know if this author's had any other adaptations of her work to film? I don't know. She's a pretty popular author. So I'd be surprised if not, but I don't think so. Unless maybe mm. she's, like, against it. Mm. I'm looking it up now. Because sometimes they're just, like, against having their books turned into movies. They don't want it, right? Yeah. And fair enough. I mean, so many authors have their stuff adapted and they hate the adaptations. I know Stephen King's famous for that. It's not said liking us, anything. Um, they did make a film adaption of The Great Ghost Rescue, which I haven't read. That oh. came out in 2011. Oh. And, um... It looks like in 2004 they were adapting Island of the Ants for a feature film. It, I'm not sure it ever happened. And same with The Morning Gift and The Haunting of Hiram C. Hopgood. But yeah, it doesn't look like there's been much. It's funny you say all these books. I've never heard of any of them. Interesting. But The Great Ghost Rescue is the one that like definitely exists. Well, maybe a future uh, future review here. There you go. Yeah, we gotta do it. <laughs> uh, and of course, Eva Ibbotson is uh, passed away now. Oh, she really? died in uh, 2010. She she was born in 1925. Like. Oh wow. Mm. Well, that that makes sense. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was born in Vienna. She's Jewish, and then she moved to England during the war. I would assume. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Hmm. Maybe reliving some of her youth in a way the traveling and hmm. yeah and i know that some of her at least one of her stories takes place during world war ii oh okay yeah that's the fun thing about books is there's so many authors out there that you just never hear anything about and then suddenly it's like oh i've got all this this information mm -hmm. i didn't know all those little pockets i feel like music's like that these days back in the day it used to be like music was a little bit more easier to follow but now it's just thousands of pockets everywhere Oh, but do you, have, do you feel like you have anything else to add for the book? I've read through all my notes here, so... <laughs> oh, it looks like um, Eva Ibbotson didn't uh, publish her first book until 1975 when she was 50. Oh, wow, that's real late to break. Hmm. Her first children's book, I should say. I think she might have... Because she's a professor, so she might have published, like, nonfiction before then. But, yeah, she didn't uh, start, like, her... She's written more than 20 books after she was 50 and like uh journey to the river sea came out in 2001 so she would have been around uh 74 wow. 75 when she, when that book was published that's crazy to think wow isn't it did not feel like that age of a woman writing that story <laughs> yeah it felt i mean it really captured the the like youth of the characters wouldn't you say yep yep in written in a very elegantly, very speedy kind of way. I'm, maybe I'm just biased against old people, but I would figure that. <laughs> I mean, her, most of her books are children's books. That's that's what her uh, literary writing career is. Yeah, that's hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, I guess Stephen King's that old, around that old too. So I mean, yeah, people. Fifty you know, or seventy-five. In the seventies, yeah. I have no idea how old he is. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, she's written a collection of uh, short stories, too, which has some kind of, like, bad reviews on Goodreads, but I was still kind of interested in reading it. It's called A Glove Shop in Vienna and Other Stories. 
Oh, didn't you say she was from Vienna? Yeah. Well, <laughs> she she moved to England when she was nine, I believe I read. Hmm. Yeah, I'm always mixed on collections of short stories. Short I stories mean, have never been really something that I've particularly I really with. loved uh, the two collections of short stories that I read. Like, one of them you read, right? That I got yeah. you to read. Stories of your life and others. Yeah, and then I read um, a second collection of short stories by that author as well and loved it just as much. You know, there's a lot of great ideas in there, absolutely, in that, that collection. That's one of the cool things yeah, about... Yeah, that, that guy is definitely a really interesting thing for Yeah. Yeah, I always feel like short stories are more like cool ideas rather than a fully fleshed out story, which is why I mm-hmm. don't connect with them as much, but, but I definitely enjoyed I that. I felt like a lot of those stories were fully fleshed out, though. They just didn't need to be super long. Yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. Some stories, you know, like... They don't need to be even novella length. They can just, you know, be a story. Yeah. And they're still a full story. Maybe, maybe I don't give enough credit to the short story kind of mode. I, I never I used to either. It was those that really turned me around on them. But now I try to give more a chance. Yeah, and, and to be fair, I just recently finished up The King in Yellow. And there were some cool shorts in that as well. So maybe I just don't read them enough. But. Mm. Oh, but there was one more thing I wanted to mention before we... I forgot about this note. I love the fact uh, we mentioned that the Carters, you know, they were in a lot of debt, and that's the reason they brought Maya in, because she had money. It's like, okay, she's going to help us pay some of these debts off. And I love that once the twins get their money, they just refuse to give any of it to the family who's, like, in, like, ruin. The debt collectors are coming to, like, take all their stuff, and they're like, no, it's our money. We, we, we want it. The crazy thing <laughs> like, is that wow. the parents didn't just, like, take it. <laughs> well, I mean, these were, were children. Like... They they were they would have been within their right to just take the money, and like the mom. I'm not saying that like it would have been right, but legally within their right. Um, yeah. And like the mom was like, "Oh, I'm gonna get them to take it to the bank, and then me and the bank manager will work on them to get them to share it." Like, <laughs> the bank manager is gonna help you convince your daughters to give you their money. Like, I'm pretty sure you can just take it. <laughs> I was actually confused by that in the end, because right before the fire, the twins, you know, they complained like, oh, our money's gone, what's happened to our money? And that, yeah, and so I I'm pretty sure the sure. pretty sure it just burned in the house because they didn't have time to get it when the fire started. Oh, I thought they were complaining about it before the fire. Well, the fire, the fire started while they were fighting about it. That's oh, how okay. the fire started, remember? Because yeah, they it... took Maya's lamp, too, because they each needed a lamp. Because they were, like, running around hiding their money in different places. <laughs> yeah, I was like, do they need the lamps just to count their money as they f- fall asleep? No, it's, it's because their mom told them that they were taking it to the bank the next day. Oh, yeah, they're, they're just hiding it around their rooms. Mm. So they, they kept being like, oh, I need to hide it somewhere else. Oh, I need to hide it somewhere else. And then they would forget where they hid it and be like, you took it. And then they'd be like, oh, wait, no, I actually hid it over here. Oh, that's right. That's right. Again, my, my headache was uh, making it hard and, to And then um, what happened was uh, they were, like, fighting. They were spilling gas from the lamp. And the mom <laughs> was spraying flammable bug poison all over the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and so, of course, everything went up in flames. <laughs> yeah, I love that detail about the mom, that she's so obsessed about keeping her house like, like it's in 
in England again. I mean, I get it. Honestly, me living in a tropical country, that would be me like, kill all the bugs. <laughs> Don't let them in. The morning routine. She won't even let the maids do it because they don't do it well enough. She scrubs the floors and sprays everywhere with bug spray. Yeah. Like, man, what a what a horrible place to live that would have been. No. Oh yeah. Sorry, I thought you meant the Amazon in general. It's like because no, I'm ter- I'm terrified of bugs too. But you know, if you live in a place like that, you need to just you need to just accept it. Yeah, from Maya's perspective, I mean, the smells of that place must have just been like miserable. Yeah, and I loved how. Um, her and Miss Minton uh, came up with that, um, like, fake disease for an excuse for her to go walk around outside. Oh, yeah, I really like that, too. How she would, like, have, like, random spasms at the dinner table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those poor fools of the Carters, like... <laughs> it's getting completely played. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I appreciate that, yeah, Miss Minton was so on board with just, like, scamming them in that way. Yeah, I mean, what could you do? They were crazy. Yeah. It's crazy to me that, you know, that lawyer, who really seemed to be pretty on the ball as far as being a guardian, uh, was like, oh, just go live with these random people who are somehow related to you. But I guess uh, he really felt like he was like, oh, well, I'm sending Miss Minton with her, and, like, I really trust her. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure in the, the letters that they would have wrote, because he probably would have never met them, that they yeah. would have presented themselves way differently. It is interesting, though, because it's like, she didn't have to go live with them. Like, it's not like they became her guardians or were going to become her guardians. He was always going to stay her guardian. He just wanted her to have a family, I guess. Yeah, rather than living in, like, an orphanage. It wasn't an orphanage, though. It was just a boarding school. Yeah, that, that, yeah, I, I guess I thought it felt more like an orphanage, but yeah, boarding school. It, it was just a boarding school that was uh, happy to keep her on the holidays type of thing yeah and it's, it, i thought it was interesting at the end that she went back to them i was like oh well why wouldn't she she had an established relationship there and she was already at that boarding school i think before her parents died even hmm. yeah i guess i didn't think about that maybe i thought it was more of an orphanage when i started reading it hmm. they were, they were very clear that it was a boarding school um, that wealthy parents would uh, sometimes send their kids to just so that they could go on holiday. <laughs> yeah, I guess people still do that with their kids too. Damn. <laughs> send them to that part feels kind of lame. Like, oh, we're going off on holiday. You just stay there over the the holidays for us. We don't want to be around you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure that'll always happen. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's uh, it's not really a common. Uh average person occurrence to be like oh yes my parents put me in boarding school while they went on vacation (laughs) yeah didn't you say that you would have loved to have gone to boarding school i mean yeah because all these books they they paint boarding schools as this kind of like magical whimsical place where um there's lots of drama and like bad things can happen but it's you know all these girls living together and it's like you get to have this like cool interesting life away from your parents and all these like secrets and fun adventures with your friends and i mean living with your friends it's amazing yeah i mean i always loved harry potter for the boarding school element and it it just gives you in my mind a kind of like independence even though of course there's still really strict rules but you're staying in a room alone you don't have parents really you know yeah 
But my parents, my parents always told me, you don't want to go to boarding school. It's not like, uh, it's not like how it seems in the movies and the books. Yeah, I'm sure. Because I could, I could have gone if I wanted. I'm, my, my family would have paid for me. Not my parents, but like my grandparents. But my, my mom was like, you don't want to, trust me. <laughs> did she go to one? Um, she did for a time. Oh, interesting. Hmm. And uh, my grandma went to boarding school her whole life. Oh, wow. I, I guess it makes sense. That was, I mean, that was the thing to do when my grandma was a kid for wealthier people. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure boarding schools are just filled with cliques and horrible bullies. And, mm -hmm. Yeah, but, yeah, oof. Oh, but I guess final thoughts, if or if you have anything else you want to add before we go to final thoughts? No, I don't have anything else to add. Sure, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? I don't know what final thoughts are. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've said all my thoughts. <laughs> well, final summary, I mean, if you listen to this, I hope you've read the book, but if not... I think it'd still be enjoyable, even if you know you know everything that's going to happen now. So. Um, if you listen to this, um, I I hope that you don't read the book. Well, you can read the book if you want, but you don't have to. It would just be enjoyable to listen to me talk. Well, I disagree. I think you'd I think you'd very much enjoy the you, book. You disagree and... that it's enjoyable to listen to me talk? I think it'd still be enjoyable to go and read the book for yourself, because listening to people talk about it isn't the same experience. I'm going to put the link for this podcast in my Goodreads review. And I do think that it has a very quick pace, even if it looks like a moderately sized book when you pick it up off the shelf. It moves much faster than the size of it is. Like it's a it's... children's book. Exactly, a children's the, the book. The print is big. The print is big, and it's just... Some books can be like that size, and it can take you way longer to read because it's like really dense, but this one yeah, it just moves along really well. I think the characters are like, but we didn't even mention that professor. I like that. Uh, he wasn't uh, that important, but I did like the part where he like just like politely asked Miss Minton to marry him, and she that's was what like, I was no, gonna mention. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I did like that, and he like put his whole job on the line to help out, and he's like, yeah. oh yes. It didn't even seem like he was that interested in her. He was just no. like, well, maybe we should be married. It's <laughs> 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 like, oh, this poor old man. <laughs> But yeah, it, it's it's a very fun little little novel, and I, I definitely enjoyed reading it. So, and I'm sorry it took so long for me to get to it, but but here we are. Yeah. Your now we're thoughts. gonna have to do a book podcast every week. Oh, but your final thoughts. I don't. I already gave my final thoughts at the same time as yours. Did you? Yeah. I just kept interrupting you. Well, that's certainly true. What are you, Isaac? All of a sudden. <laughs> I, well, I don't know. I like. I've been saying my thoughts this whole time. Why? Why do I have to say some extra ones? The final thoughts is just like a little summary. I enjoyed it. It's my. This favorite was book. my favorite book. I liked it very much. If you would like to hear a podcast of me reading the book out loud, you can e-transfer me one hundred dollars. Yeah, follow the link to here to e-transfer $100 and hear it read aloud by Brianna. And Caleb will put audiobook. my e-transfer email, uh, which is also my PayPal email, uh, in the description of this podcast. Yeah, which I just will very briefly call out. So, I re read most of this book on my, my Kobo, and it was definitely a more enjoyable experience reading on the book, but I probably read... Or I, I listened to a third of it in the audiobook form. 
And it was a pretty weak audiobook, I gotta say, as someone who's listened to probably well over 100 audiobooks. Penelope Rollins, who is the narrator, I don't want to call her out and insult her too much. But... <laughs> She's gonna listen to this podcast, Caleb. <laughs> Whenever she would switch into the voice of the native people, it just did not... It, it made me giggle so many times to the point that I missed even lines that she was saying because I was like, oh my god, like she, why did she choose this voice? Colonel De Silva shrugged. It is rumored he is said to be a handsome boy and fair. I will show you the place on the map. And <laughs> oh, what, what, one thing that one thing that I will say uh, now that you say that is that um, I wouldn't say this book is offensive in any way, but it's not exactly like PC in its uh, description of no. the natives either. So I mean, but that's just like Definitely a product not. of its time and the age of the author you know yes. but it, it there was definitely nothing offensive but there were definitely you know like stereotypes and that kind of thing yeah when i was reading this i assumed it was written in like the 70s mm-hmm. and so it wasn't until maybe two-thirds into it that i realized it was published in 2001 and i was like oh like yeah some of the, the yeah some of the language is a little bit out of date but maybe not so much mm-hmm. 2001 but <laughs> But, you know, I mean, what can you do? You read a book. I mean, you, you know, things are published in different times. You just kind of have to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, it, it, it wasn't anything offensive. I mean, the natives were definitely written as, like, good characters. But there were yeah. just a, a few things here and there where you're like, eh. Yeah, and it was mainly just, like, terms, vernacular, yeah. that kind of thing. Not negative stereotypes or anything like that. Uh, one thing that I did think was weird was, um, I think there was, like, maybe two instances where they would be like, oh, this is the Indian side of Finn coming out, and it was, like, a negative yes. Uh, yes. thing. <laughs> and it's, that was weird because there were no negative or per- negative portrayals of the natives at all, other than they were like, oh, this bad thing in my personality is because I'm part native. <laughs> yeah, like you said, it was like maybe like twice that it happened. I was like, that's yeah. weird. <laughs> like that yeah. doesn't seem to track with a lot of this stuff. Yeah, it, it, it almost felt out of place. And it, it felt more like the author's perspective rather than anything with the characters. Yes, which also definitely. Felt odd. Definitely. Yeah, so I mean, she's 70 75 years old. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so... What can you say, really, except for, eh, you know, different different people, different times. But. Yeah, and, you know, a 10-year-old reading this book, it's not going to give them any uh, any biases towards Native people or anything like that. You know, and the book's written for children. It's it's not anything that would, that, that would bother a child's mind or influence a child's mind negatively. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if you if you listen to this podcast and haven't read it yourself, uh, give it to your kid. There you go. <laughs> yes. And read but, it with them. And, and read, tell, oh, them, there you go. tell them uh, tell them not to use the terms. But everything yes. else is fine. Yes. There you go. <laughs> Parental guidance. It's a PG rated book. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you should just read it with your kid just because it's a good book. Oh, but uh, tune in, everybody, for our next book review. It's probably going to be Bear by Marion Angle, thanks to Isaac's uh, recent book club pick. But maybe me and Brianna will have something else to do down the line. I'm not sure, but in terms of books, I'm sure we'll have other movies. I know you definitely want to do the Liz McGuire movie at some point. No, we have another book to do. Oh, well. Would you like to reveal it now for 
people to start reading, or do you want to keep it a secret? <laughs> for other people to start reading, because they're gonna like read along. Yeah, they're gonna read along. That's the that's um, the dream. I'm not gonna reveal it because I don't know how to pronounce one of the words in the title, and I don't want to sound stupid. Oh well, yeah, definitely a mystery now. But <laughs> <laughs> and then and then later on, when they find out what book it is, when we do the podcast, they're gonna be like, "What? She didn't know how to say that word." Yeah, she's gonna make me pronounce it. <laughs> you definitely know how to pronounce it. Uh, but but tune in everybody and uh, that's all I gotta say. So peace. Okay, bye. Plus, you should be reading with your kids anyway, because, come on. I mean, we don't have kids, personally, the two of us, but if we did, we'd read to them. Caleb sometimes reads me. Caleb sometimes reads to me. Actually, he's only done it one time, even though I ask him to almost every day. I've done it more than once, but, yeah. It, it was just One time once. recently. One time ever. Well, maybe you don't remember. You're always drunk, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, because he's drunk right now, and I'm never drunk. I don't drink. That's not true at all. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Both of those things are true. I saw you go into that room with like a giant glass of wine. And when was the last time I had a drink? Like six months ago. Hey, I remember many times when we were in Mexico, you uh, just being wasted out of your when mind. When was the last time we went to Mexico? Two years ago? Sadly, thanks to COVID. Journey to the River Mexico? <laughs> That's at that point I named the podcast. I would love to go to uh, Brazil. I would love to go to Manaus and uh, see that theater. I would love to travel on the Amazon. You know how much I love animals. I would love to see all the different animals there. I would be scared of getting bit by piranha is the problem. I'd probably be like Maya, where I wouldn't duck. I wouldn't be paying enough attention and like uh, Finn would yell at me. And like turn into like a monster. <laughs> I googled pictures of the theater there, and it's beautiful. Oh really? Hmm. Yeah. I'd love to go to the Amazon one day, but yeah. But what? We can go. Well, you know the plane ride, and you know. It's not even that far away. Well, that's true. It would be like an eight or nine hour plane ride max. And then we could take a, a cruise on the Amazon. That would be very cool. I had to force myself not to say the Amazon just then. <laughs> I really had to think about it as I was speaking. But I don't speak Portuguese. Well, you can learn it. You can learn it. No, I'm not good with languages. And I am? Better than me. Just because I know a second language a little bit doesn't mean that I'm better with languages than you. I'm just, just in a position to learn a little bit of another language. Hey, I learned a little bit of that language too and then I gave up. Uh, you didn't 
spend months in a country where the people around you only spoke a language you didn't speak. That's very true. That's very true. So what I'm saying is, I'm going to send you to Brazil, and you're going to stay there until you speak Portuguese. Well, that's uh, that'd be fun. Would you be there? Or would I be on my own? Uh, I'd be there. Oh. <laughs> wow! Wow! <laughs> I thought you would like that. Are you gonna put this in the podcast? Caleb insults his girlfriend. Doesn't want to go to Brazil with her. Yeah, I'll put in the extra bit at the end. The little, uh, the bit that no one listens to. <laughs> Everybody listens to it. <laughs> what do you mean? If they were listening to the podcast, they would just listen till the end. I would assume once they hear the music, that everyone turns off. That's, they would look at their phone and be like, oh, there's still like five more minutes. It's probably not five minutes of music. Occasionally I do that with podcasts. I'm like, do I really want to listen to their little extra bit at the end? Eh, I'll just turn it off. 